Greg and Josh are not paid critics. They are not experts, nor do they claim to be. They are just two nerds that love to talk about internet shows. However, they're still going to tell you about what they think. So sit down, relax, and enjoy the latest episode of All Queued Up. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of All Queued Up. I'm your host, Greg Dietz, and with me always is Josh Fisher. How you doing, buddy? Man, I'm doing pretty good. Pretty good. How about you? I'm doing all right. Um, you guys may have you guys have the you guys may notice that my audio sounds a little off. Um, I'm sure that Josh did his best in in post production, but uh, uh, my microphone cord is all sorts of wonky. So I'm having to use the laptop mic, which is in lesser quality. Um, but uh, we make do. We make do with what we can around here. Um, other than that, I'm doing all right. I'm not sick. So that's good. Don't need that. Nobody needs that. <sighs> and you don't have nobody. I got time for that. You don't have snow and ice like we do. Ugh. True, true. Although it my just kid cold, was happy well, as shit because they canceled school at seven o'clock this morning. <laughs> I bet. Which they were on a three-hour oh, yeah. delay anyway because of the weather. Because I've lived in the Valley of California my whole life, like it rarely, if ever, snows in the valley. And, um, like the foothills and the area around the valley, sure, but yeah. here it never snows. So growing up, I had seen movies and stuff of like, hey, we get a snow day. And I just was like, I don't know what the fuck that is. I just don't, I've never experienced that. Because even like it, it didn't matter what the weather was, it was never severe enough to cancel school. Ever. Um, Dude. Now on the on on a, on a different note, Californians don't know how to drive when it rains, so there's that. Yeah, yeah, that's a a lot of the country that doesn't get terrible inclement weather uh, is the same way because they think that oh well it's wet all of a sudden it's the same as a dry roadway it's not. Uh, I know back in. 95, I was living in South Carolina with my grandmother, and we got an ice storm. It was just an out-of-nowhere freak ice storm. You know, we had a cold front coming through, but it usually just rains down there. And it's very rare for them to get much snow at all. I mean, it'll flurry here and there, and, you know, sometimes you'll get, like, maybe a quarter inch to a half inch but hardly anything to amount to anything, right? Well, it was an ice storm, and people were driving on I-85 like it was just rain. And here I am, you know, I knew. I was like, okay, this shit's coming down. I was going slowly. Um, And I knew, I was like, I'm going to have to get off this interstate. And no shit. As soon as I got off the interstate, boom, like a 19-car pileup happened. Like right in front of where I would, <laughs> right where I was going to be, because these people were idiots and just flying doing 60, 65, 70 miles an hour in this shit. Yeah. So I narrowly missed that. And I was like, woof. So I, I get it, man. You know, and a lot of people are like, when it first starts raining, the first 10, 15 minutes of rainfall, you're most dangerous because. 
all the grit and grime and oil from the roadways is just pooling up and coming to the surface and makes it slicker than owl shit. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. Um, wet leaves, uh, I, I, wet leaves are a terrible thing in the fall. Uh, I, w- I will say this. They, they did cancel school one time for quote unquote inclement weather, but it wasn't inclement weather. Was it a fire? It was. Yes. And it wasn't, and again, it wasn't that the wildfires were close to us. It was that the wind was blowing the smoke at us. Mm. So it turned to this whole thing of like, well, you can't really go outside because otherwise you'll just breathe, be breathing in that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're, Um, we're here in the, here in the mountains where we are, it's hit or miss. I mean, we can get some heavy snows and we can get some, eh, Okay. It's an inconvenience right now. Uh, there's times I have seen it. You know, we've had a few blizzards hit us here. You know, uh, several times. And, like, shut shit down for, like, two weeks, man. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Even though we are accustomed to snow in the winter, we're still ill-equipped to deal with it. It's that kind of thing. Yeah. Well, I, it's, I, I couldn't imagine if we got an inch of snow here in the valley, everything would shut down. Everything. Including local government. Like, it just would. Um, it, it's really funny how everyone here kind of acts towards uh, any kind of weather, for that matter. It's, it's fascinating, but... Um, but yeah, yeah, let's, uh, let's stay healthy and warm and... Uh, what were you going to say? I was going to say, I just hope everybody that does live in areas where it's cold that you were able to get to the grocery store before the snow fell to get your bread and milk and your eggs so you can make your milk sandwiches. I Here's the thing. As a, as a West Coaster, that was a completely foreign thing to me. It and is when I went over to, totally a thing, man. Well, I went over to uh, uh, North Carolina for... Mega Manathon, which is a whole different can of worms that I can open up later. Um, I remember. But I was, well, audience, so I'm talking to with that one. I know you know. <laughs> um, this is actually before we started recording the podcast, ever. Uh, this is uh, like, you know, a month after we first met, so yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's actually it how you and I got to start to get to know each other better, because you were at Hutch's and being there so much, and and the streams and everything. That's when we start talking yeah. a lot. Yep. Um, but while I was there, uh, they were trying to warn me that at that time of the year, which was like the end of uh, the end of December, early January. Actually, this was this was the one year that they did it the first week of February. Oh, you're right. You're right. I was gonna say because I had le- I remember leaving on the twentieth, and I think that was the twentieth of January. Mm-hmm. Anywho, the joke was that if we go to a store and there's supposed to be inclement weather, there'll be no milk and there'll be no butter. Or not butter, I'm sorry, no bread. And I was like, no milk and bread? Well, that doesn't make any fucking sense. Like, if you're going to stock up on food, wouldn't you want canned foods? Stuff that you don't have to microwave, you can just pop it open and eat, even if it's kind of gross? And everyone's just like, yeah, like... Milk and bread seems super fucking perishable, but apparently those are just gone 
when like a storm is about to hit. And I was like, okay, that's weird. And sure enough, while I was there, um, there was a moment where we, they were supposed to get a huge storm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we went to Walmart the night before and sure enough, it was, it was barren. Yeah. Absolutely barren. And I was like, that's the weirdest shit I've ever seen in my life. So then we go back to their house and Brittany decides to uh, record a video with me I that I still have up this. on YouTube. Oh my God, this is great. Yeah. She basically like <clears throat> lays out how to, how to survive a storm. And she's like, you're going to take one piece of bread and another piece of, or, and then put that on the plate. And then you're just going to take a little bit of milk and pour it on top. And then you take another piece of bread and put it on top. And then you have your milk sandwich. Yeah. The, the chat was just like, that's, what the fuck are you doing? And I remember in the video, in the video, you can hear Brian slightly in the background angry that we wasted food. Oh my god! <laughs> He's like, you know, that's part of our rations for this storm. That's a wasted milk sandwich. It was so funny, dude. I don't, uh, I don't, anyway. I don't get it. I do not get it because yeah, I don't, I don't either. And, and you know, I've lived in the South my entire life. Um, in various states and various regions and every single place I have lived, the first snowflake, everybody bolts to the grocery store and they buy milk and fucking bread and they get other things too, but it's the milk and bread that get fucking hammered and eggs. And it's just like, what is this phenomenon? Uh, it's, it's super bizarre. It it's is. just, it's real. And, and it's bizarre to a lot of people over there too, which is the weird part because everyone that I've known that lives on the East coast, they go, yeah, it's a thing. And other people have, who live on the East coast have made jokes on social media. Like, yeah, it's a thing. And I was just like, why did, why is there so many fucking people that know it's a thing and how weird it is, but yet, yet it still happens. It still happens. And we don't know why it's a thing. It's because of the boomers, Greg, it's the boomers that are going and buying all the milk and the bread and the eggs. They're like, oh shit, I gotta go to the pharmacy and get my pills and I better stock up on milk, bread, and eggs. That's fair. That's fair. Because rational people like us don't buy groceries like that. We get <laughs> things that oh like, yeah, we'll get bread, but we'll get shit that doesn't require refrigeration, like tuna and peanut butter to make like real protein filled sandwiches out of instead of just dipping it in milk, you know, uh, I, I, I don't know, man, it's fucked up, but I don't know why we got off on this tangent. Oh yeah. Snow days. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, we yeah, got, we, we got shit to talk about that doesn't have to do with the weather. I apologize. <laughs> You'll notice that throughout this entire conversation, I keep going anyway to move on. But then we just go right back into it. And I was like, all right, fuck it. Well, you know, sometimes I just can't <laughs> shut the fuck up. We know. That was rude. That was really rude. That was not meant to sound as rude as it did. It's okay. I know it's true. <sighs> Dude, I get excited and I can't stop talking about whatever I'm talking about. And I'm also chock full of thousands and thousands of little tidbits of information I'm like a sponge of stuff, and, you know, I'm known for it. People are like, well, you know, I don't know what this is, and I'm just like, oh, blah, 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 and spit out whatever it is. And they're like, oh, okay, that's why I keep you around. Yeah, I'm the useless one-legged encyclopedia that won't shut the fuck up. I mean, I know it. That's my role in life. I get it. 
Um, it's understandable. I I do the same shit. I I actually I've kind of talked about this on other podcasts. Um, that I've always had an issue with talking too much and putting too much detail and emphasis on things where it doesn't need it. So like I'm describing a situation that happened. But I have to get the time span just fucking right in my head oh. instead of just telling the points that matter to the story. Dude, I'm I'm setting the fucking scene. I'm telling you time of day, how the air felt, how the air tasted, you know, what the mood was. I'm telling you everything, man. When I'm telling a story, I mean, you know the, the story that I've become well known for in the past year, um, shit in the bed at my friend Tyler's house after TFCon. That was embarrassing. You know, uh, easily a story that could be told was like, yeah, uh, stomach didn't agree with me. I went to sleep and woke up and shit my pants. Could have been told in a minute, right? I t- yeah. I tell that story from start to finish in 21 minutes because, I mean, Jesus, it was too good not to, right? So, <laughs> well, I think there's there's there there are details that can be added to make the story funnier and or or more entertaining versus like my dad inherited this to me where I go, oh, I have to describe the color of the guy's shoe even though it has absolutely fucking nothing to do with the story. That's that's the problem I have. So there's that. But anyway, we got we need to move on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thirteen minutes into this in this recording and haven't haven't even talked about what the show is. Oh well, Guys. you know they know they know what it is, but just in yeah, case say, they don't, we review shit uh, and talk about it. <laughs> yep, we watch. Uh, normally, we watch two shows in their entirety, talk about them, give a grade at the end. Um, but uh, due to Disney Plus and uh, well, Watchmen, um, we've kind of breaking the rules a little bit. Yep. But um, it's essentially a review show for stuff you can watch at home. Um. Stuff that you don't have to do with pants. Exactly. And there you anything, go. I'm, there we go. You know, <laughs> maybe that's a new tagline. That is a new tagline. Guys, today we're going to discuss the, penult- the penultimate episode of Watchmen, Mandalorian Episode 5, uh, The Marvelous Miss Maisel Season 3, and the movies that made us from the same guys that did the toys that made us. Um... So we have quite a bit to talk about, so why don't we just dive right into Watchmen. Oh, are By we the way, going spoilers. Watchmen first? Well, we'll do Watchmen Mando. Okay. Uh, and then we'll figure out from there. Um, I was going to say, let's just do the movies that made us first, and then do Watchmen Mando and Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, but okay. I was assuming the uh, the solo episode level, uh, ones before. Okay, okay. Gotcha. Um... Now that we got that off uh, off recording uh, topic discussed, <laughs> that we should have discussed thirty minutes ago. Uh, <laughs> it's fine. Anyway, nothing so, is going uh, to script today. <laughs> so this episode of Watchmen, um, like I said, penultimate episode. It was it's it's the uh, eighth eighth episode of nine total, mm-hmm. and uh, holy shit. I don't even know how to describe it. So obviously spoilers because we're talking about the eighth episode of a series. Um, this series understands Watchmen better than I think Alan Moore does. Well, to be fair, after Alan Moore finished writing those twelve issues, 
he walked away and never looked back. I think a lot of this has to do with the creative input from Dave Gibbons. Right. Uh, because he is like one of the producers, executive producers and consultants on the show. Considering that even though Moore wrote it, Gibbons crafted it. You know, I'm always going to give so, uh, you know, probably more credit to the artist than the writer. Uh, depending depending on the combo and this aspect because of the longevity of being attached to it and the success that it has seen <clears throat> i think dave gibbons is more responsible for watchmen being what it is than alan moore that's just personal opinion um um yeah i think you know, the thing about a thing about the original comic that you have to take into context is that it wasn't just a story. It was a it, he was Alan Moore was basically like, "Hey, Batman's kind of a shit character, and here's why." Mm -hmm. uh, but he also was playing along with the Cold War situation and 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 everything going on with that, um, the fears at the time in 1984 and five. Um, I mean, just the early 80s, realistically. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and we were terrified of Russia. Russia had a lot of nukes. We had a lot of nukes. Hell, they made a shitty goddamn Superman movie based on the nuclear panic in the 80s from the Cold War, specifically with Russia. And that's when we learned that Hackman cannot say the word nuclear. Yeah, there's that. Um, or, or, you know, nuclear man. It's It's nuclear. Come on now. Ugh. Nuclear um, man. Ugh. Anyway, I'm gonna I'm gonna go go all ham on 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 uh fucking wow. Drew, I completely just my brain was like, well, you don't want to talk about it anymore, so you're gonna forget the guy who played Gene Luke Luther, Gene Hackman. Jesus Christ. Anyway, mo like away from that. The the the, <clears throat> the thing is is. Like you said, he walked away from Watchmen. And and over gen literally generations of people have been able to read this comic and disertain what they want from it. Yeah. Because there's so many layers. There's so much in there that you can kind of pick apart. And I think that the writers of this show understand every little piece that, that the comic talks about better than I have ever seen anyone 100% in agreement with you. And as much as I enjoy the 2009 live action movie, they didn't. Based on this show and this show's interpretation of the comic, they Zack Snyder didn't get it right at all. No. I, 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 I That was actually something I've been talking to my dad about was uh, the character of Rorschach. Um, completely, com like if you watch the movie and you read the comic, two completely different characters. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't realize it at the time, but but he leaves out all the shit that makes uh, uh Rorschach a fucking sociopath. Yeah, he did. There was a lot of stuff he left out about Rorschach, and it made Rorschach look like oh, I'm in this for justice. You know, made him more Batman esque. When he wasn't, 
Rorschach was well, that's... a batshit insane ultra white, ultra right wing conservative who just happened to beat up bad guys under a mask. Well, that's what's what's. It's funny you say that because to me and how I've always interpreted it is that Ozymandias, Night Owl, and Rorschach are all different versions of what Batman would be given the circumstances. Uh, one thing that I know You're a lot of wrong. people have kind of said, I know that a lot of people have kind of said that Batman is, an, is a really weird character because a guy with that much wealth would not go out of his way to fight crime in that fashion. So what, they, what they're basically getting at is that... Um, uh, by Rorschach, uh, not Rorschach, I'm sorry, that, that Rorschach being the way that he is, being kind of poor and disillusioned and a sociopath, is this is how that Batman-type character would be. Uh, a, a real billionaire philanthropist would be what Ozymandias is. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, a fanboy is what Night Owl would be. Because yeah. if, you, if you remember, Dan is a big fan huge fan of the of original not l and the minuteman specifically yeah yeah so to me it's just three different versions of what a realistic batman would be and um and then you can you know you can break down every other character but that's besides the point so for this for this show to take what a lot of people completely miss in the original comic what i think a lot of people miss in the movie because it doesn't really say it in the movie is that yeah? It makes one thousand a hundred percent sense that Rorschach's followers would be basically the new Klux Klux Klan, um, in a sense. I think this show understands Doctor Manhattan better than the than anybody else ever has. Yeah. Um, this whole episode, by the way, guys, is is about. Manhattan and Angela's relationship and how everything plays out. Yep. Also, I, I, I do love how this show pushes its boundaries when it comes to pissing off fanboys, but also at the same time, making it make, making it make sense for the story. Um, so the big reveal in episode seven is that Cal is Dr. Manhattan. Yeah. Um, it sh- they show it in episode eight, how that came about. They even show that Dr. Manhattan is who created that quote-unquote utopia on Europa, one of the moons of Jupiter. Um, But it also goes into the idea of like how Ozymandias got there. Um, It goes into how, how, how Cal forgot he was Dr. Manhattan. And I think the biggest bombshell of this episode was learning that Angela inadvertently killed Judd. Yeah. That, to me, I was like, holy shit, that's amazing. By mentioning his name via John, Dr. Manhattan, to her grandfather, who she didn't even know existed, that's how he learned the past of him. So she set everything in motion, which is fascinating. I love paradoxes like that. Yeah. It's, it's, it, Oh my God. I was just like, that is the transcendence of time communication. I was like, that's genius. I, 
how come they never explored that in the comic? God, that's fucking rad. Yeah. That's just such a fucking smart idea. Because, yeah, he experiences all of time at the same time. Granted, it's all his timeline. Yeah, but, yeah. But the fact um, that he's both interacting with her in 1985, interacting with her in, um, or not, 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 I'm sorry, not 1985, but in 2009, because it was 2009 when she and he met. She was a cop in Korea. Well, yeah, I was going to say, what's funny is that, uh, 2000, probably 2018, 2017, is when Dr. Manhattan is talking to, uh, no. When did the ring go into his head? Was it six years prior to everything? 2009, 10 years. It was six months after they met. Okay, yeah, 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 okay. So when was Manhattan talking to Will? 2009. Okay, okay, yeah, okay. Because I didn't know... Yeah, you're right, you're right. Yeah, because it was uh, right after because, he got the ring from Ozymandias. Yeah, Ozymandias says, I think this would suppress your power unless maybe only in an instant of extreme self-defense, you know, a subconscious trigger. Other than that, your powers would be suppressed. Yeah. It's... um. Which explains God, a how of... she got saved on that Christmas night a couple of years prior. Right. What they called the White Night when the cops were all massacred by the 7th Cavalry. Oh, man. This episode and the fact that he created that utopia on Europa and created the man and woman patterned after the man and the woman that cared for him and his father gave them shelter in Europe when they had left Germany before they went to America. Um, and he was describing it to Ozymandias and he's like, Oh, I would love to go there. He's like, okay. He's like, here, you can go. And how over the past, and I guess he had been there 10 years cause that was 2009. So, in the past 10 years, it's like, he wants out of there. He doesn't want to be there anymore. So, that's something. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, uh... <sighs> Fuck me. But that whole so conversation with the two of them. He was like, when you last Ooh. saw me, you were trying to kill me. He's like, I was having a bad day. Because, <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> yeah... Yeah, I, I I was discussing the whole thing with my dad because I've been telling him about every episode because he does they don't have HBO. Like I'm watching this on somebody else's account. I'll just say that much. Um, and uh, so I've been describing to him every episode, and I get to the part where he he just stands in front of the cannon and gets hit. And uh, my dad goes, "Well, if he if he can see the future and he knows that he's that this is going to happen, why doesn't he stop it?" And I go, because it's already happened. Yeah. And he goes, well, how how that doesn't make any sense. If it's already happened, then how does he how does he know? And I was like, Dad, because everything that he sees has already happened. It's it's already happened and it's happening, and it's going to happen. It's it's there's no such thing as seeing into the future or the past because it's all happening at the same time. 
So when you say, why didn't he stop this thing? There's no choice in the matter. It's already happened. And he was just like, God, that's fucking frustrating. And I'm like, which is the the biggest thing about Dr. Manhattan's character is it's very frustrating to talk to him. Yeah. It's got to be very frustrating to be him. And I was in love with it. Also, internet, you got to calm down on seeing a dick. You really do. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's just, it was just a dick. Yeah. Good gravy. I mean, there's a shot of a fucking dick, and they and this and, and the internet's just like, oh, I see what you're doing, Linda Live. You're showing us, you're showing us that that big black dick, and I'm just like, oh my god, you guys, calm down. I mean, it's something that Manhattan's known for. He doesn't have a concept of shame. He only wore clothing because it made others uncomfortable. <laughs> Just, I mean, I shouldn't be surprised that the internet's thirsty as hell, but good gravy. It's always thirsty like, for wanna, something. He's like, y'all want to talk about the themes? And the fact that they made uh, basically Superman black in this show? Which is a huge, you know, fuck you to a lot of uh, angry racist people? You want to talk about that? Because that's fantastic. <laughs> Oh, there's a lot. There's a lot to absorb from this show, and I'm very excited about the finale. Yeah, I am too. I'm really enjoying this. I mean, it's brilliantly done. It's one of the best things that I've watched all year, and that's saying a lot, because we watched some fantastic shows this year, and man, this is brilliantly done. It's beyond it's gone beyond any expectations i had you know i didn't know what to expect from it to be honest but it's i mean i didn't even know when it took place originally like seeing trailers and stuff i was like is this a reimagining like i was so confused as to what they were doing with it Mm -hmm. and the fact that like i think the thing that drew me in so hard was that in that first, after the first episode being stellar, and then on top of that, realizing it takes place after the comic, not the movie, I was like a thousand percent in. Yeah. Like, people are like, it took me like three episodes to get into the show, but now I'm in, and I was just like, Pfft. it got me hard right away. Hey, and but anyway. I, can't, I can't fathom the people that have been like fans of the comic and the original and the movie that don't like this. They don't like it. They think it's dumb. They don't yeah, see it. I, I can't understand it. I can't wrap my head around it because it's giving you so much. It just blows me away. Yeah, yeah, it's it's nuts. But guys, uh, next week when we when we do our uninhibited, most of the show will probably be on the finale, uh, just because I know that we're going to want to discuss everything that we learned and talk about whether they stuck the landing or not. Which I have full faith that they will. Oh, I'm one hundred percent certain they will. Um. But we should definitely move on. Uh, we're going to talk about Mandalorian Episode 5. Yeah. Um, so, fun fact about this episode. Um, it was uh, written and directed by Dave Filoni, who did both the Clone Wars series and the uh, and Rebels. Mm-hmm. And boy, oh boy, do I see that. Okay. I don't, um, I don't, but, but I'm really only still into Season 1 of Clone Wars and haven't watched Rebels yet. So... 
I don't see a lot of the influence of it. Dave Filoni has a certain way of, of telling a story is, is what I'm getting at. He, he has a, uh, you can tell how, like how he constructs the story versus anybody else or how like, um, you know, like episode four felt totally different than episode five. Um, not just, you know, in terms of like the story that they were telling in that episode, but also thematically, um, con- uh, not constructurally, but basically what I'm getting at is when Mando goes into that town to, to fix his, his ship and, and, uh, um, and then goes off on an adventure where he's helping a, a, a younger bounty hunter. Okay, um, but first, that town, this is the town. This is the first Star Wars locale we, we were ever introduced to. This was Moss Eisley on Tatooine. Well, one thing about Moss Eisley that I'll point out, you notice how barren it was? Yeah. That after the Empire left, like, there just wasn't that much After there. the Empire left and Jabba was no longer around, yeah. And apparently, you know, the Bounty Hunter Guild, according to the bartender droid in the cantina, uh, that was a nice <laughs> touch, by the way. Uh, that, that droid was like, oh, the Bounty Hunter Guild doesn't operate here anymore. Because he was looking for work to pay for, you know, repairs for his ship. Uh, um, because I, I kind of because his ship got damaged because of another hunter had found him and was tracking him in space and had blasted him a few times. Yeah, I was gonna say that the uh, I kind of expected when the uh, the younger bounty hunter was trying to get Mando's attention in that cantina that we were gonna see a blaster scar behind his head, uh, just like a big ol'. Hey, remember when we added in that Greedo shot too? Just in general? Well, you know, you would think in the this would be nine years post New Hope that they could have put some spackle up over a hole in the wall. No, I know. I'm I'm not saying they should have. I'm just saying I expected it. And then it wasn't there and I was like, Oh, okay, well whatever. Uh Yeah, I like One thing about this show that I've always kind of pointed out is how it it feels very like old samurai movie and or Kurosawa samurai movie mm-hmm. and uh, Sergio Leone uh, spaghetti western. Well, that is something that um, a friend of mine who does Nerd Rage Radio with uh, Bobby and uh, Chris uh, Joe Joe KW Joe has said that this series. Like he he mentioned it to Bobby and Chris on this week this week's episode of Nerd Rage. He's like, you know, I love I, he, he loves Star Wars, but he's also, you know, he he's he's from Hong Kong. Um, so he grew up with a lot of uh, anime and a lot of samurai lore and other. Uh, lore of both Japanese and Chinese uh, storytelling. So he doesn't get the Western vibe so much that a lot of people get here. He gets the samurai vibe a lot. He was mentioning that. So that... I mean, for like... The, so I, I've pointed this out to a few people because they're just like, where's the Western part? And I was just like, 
anytime he's taught, like the fucking opening scene is a Western. Yeah. Immediately. The ending scene of episode one is a goddamn Western shootout, mm-hmm. quite literally. Um, All of episode three is absolutely very Western. Yeah. Um, it's it's where you see the samurai influences is more like when he's interacting with somebody else. Yeah. Because he has that stoic, I'm a, I, you know, I've been trained in being this specific type of, of person, like a, like a samurai sort of thing. Like it's, it's brilliant in that. But the thing I do have to point out about, um, episode, cause episode four is all samurai. Yeah. That's, but that's this, totally the seven samurai. Uh, but this episode is way more Western. And that's that's the point I'm getting at about Dave Filoni's writing is that he very much is more comfortable, clearly more comfortable in the Western aesthetic than he is the samurai aesthetic. Gotcha. Um, it makes more like sense of a Western for like a cowboy to help a younger cowboy kind of do what they're doing. Um, well, particularly uh, be- bounty hunters in this in this instance, you know, bounty hunters were a part of the old West. Yeah. Yep, very much so. So it's just that that's kind of what I was getting at about like how like it to me it's both. It's definitely both. Um uh which I love. I love that that's that's a thing for a character like a Mandalorian. Even though we're you and I are pretty much convinced he's not actually a Mandalorian. Um which we talked about last episode. Yeah, yeah. Uh but yeah, so like the the one of the most interesting things about this episode is uh, I can't think of the actress's name. She was on Sh- Agents of Shield. Thank you. You're welcome. I'm saying, uh, yeah. You are talking um, about the bounty, actually, and right. not the uh, lady that was in charge of the hangar that he docked at and was repairing his ship. That was Amy Sedaris. Well, the fact that it was Amy Sedaris, uh, uh, immediately I was very happy with. Me too. Like. Dude, she has got range, man. She is a very talented comedic actress, and man, she can pull off any role. I think. Yeah, she was. She was awesome. She 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 made me laugh really hard with how she was uh, kind of telling Mando that, uh, you know, you're gonna you're you're gonna pay me extra for taking care of your kid here. Yeah. Um. How she was very motherly to to Baby Yoda, uh, or the child. Um, yeah. As apparently all the merchandise is labeling him. Oh, I know, but fuck it, Baby Yoda. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know if I told you about this, but I had an argument with somebody online on Twitter. They were trying to tell a, a cosplayer that I follow to stop calling it Baby Yoda because it's actually a um, it's a different race. And when you Google that, oh yeah, race, we talked you... about that. He was trying to say it was Atlantic. Yeah, we talked about that last. Yeah, Atlantic. Last thank you. Uh, yeah, yeah okay. he's an idiot. Fuck him. He's dumb. Right. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I, I bring mean, that that's up. Harsh, just... I know, but like that dude. Well, I was gonna say the listen to this. Right. True. Well, and if and if he does, hey bud, you learned your lesson. You deleted all your comments. Anyway. Uh. Yeah, the way that she was, the way that she handled it was was awesome, and it's a shame that she's only in one episode because I really enjoyed her character. Uh but the stuff with like them in the desert and waiting her out until dark. God, that's such a Western vibe. 
God damn it, that is that is. I swear I've seen that in a Western movie. <laughs> Couldn't tell you which one, but I swear I've seen it. So that's that's why I really enjoyed this episode. I think a lot of people, a lot of people are starting to give this show shit because it's, the past two it's episodes, not what the first. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I know. And it's like it's like my 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 biggest complaint about them is that they're unwilling to and not everybody not everybody who's critical of it or says they don't like it is doing this but a lot of people are they're unwilling to accept the story as it's being told oh i know um i don't think it's wrong to be critical of something if if you if you feel that it's not up to your standards or whatever but when you go online and you say that it sucks now because they're because they're Disneyfying it up or something to that effect, you're really proving to to me and to other people that you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Period. Absolutely. Uh, I it, that irritates the shit out of me. He's like, "Oh, this episode's trash. This episode sucks. It's terrible. It's terrible." I'm like, "No, it's just a different take." And they're playing it safe. They're playing it very safe. And I think for that reason, I think for that reason alone, to shake things up, I think Baby Yoda needs to die. Um, <laughs> I think I want. I, I want. No, I want to see him die now. I want just because I want to see the internet outrage. I want to see what happens when you set something beautiful on fire. Um, don't get me wrong. I'm not against that mentality. I, I, but I'm only not if saying it fits that I don't the want story that. purposes because he is fucking adorable. Um, but my 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 theory or my the idea that I think they're going to go with instead is uh, that he um, Baby Yoda gets taken away. Yeah. At the end of the season. Yeah, and probably by the remnants of the Empire, the initial uprising of the First Order, whatever it is. Right, right. Also, uh, bonus, uh, little bonus factoid here. There's an actor. His name is Troy Kutzer, K-U-T-S-U-R. He played the Tuscan Raider in episode five that they had to ask for passage through the territory. Actually a uh, deaf actor. So he was actually using real sign language. It's the first time sign language has been introduced into Star Wars lore. Well, that's cool. That's very awesome. Um. Also, fun fact about this episode: the uh, the the writer of the um, Dubak that was like getting dragged behind it. Remember, they saw the Dubak like right, like walking, and there was like yeah. a right there. Yeah. The writer was yeah okay. Um, that guy is Dave Filoni. Oh, cool. Yeah, he just wore the mask and whatnot, but. Uh yeah, I thought I was like, oh, that's neat. Um, you know, I, th so I think thing... it's cool that you know, and that that piece of information came from uh my man Esteban, who runs the Instagram account of uh for the Force Sensitive that podcast that Bobby and Gort do that I was on an episode of episode six. You should check it out. Um, <clears throat> but uh, <laughs> I, I I like little tidbits like that. Yeah, same here. I uh. Yeah, I was trying to think of what else happens in this episode. I know like the the overall story is just like two like a like a bounty hunter ends up having to kill another bounty hunter and then uh, Ming dies because of that because of the young bounty hunter just shooting her in the gut. And then taking um, the information and trying to turn on 
the better Mando. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the the end. So so we didn't talk about this because for some reason we're dumb. Uh, there's an end credit scene to Watchmen and this episode. Um, the end credit scene to Watchmen has to do with with uh, with Ozymandias, by the way. Yeah, yeah, I did see that. That was awesome. Yeah, I don't. I need to look up what that book is about, Fog Dancing, because it's a huge part to this show. Um, I don't know what the fuck it is, and I know that I've seen it like three times in this fucking episode, and man, and and Ozymandias is reading it before he gets the horseshoe. Okay. So I need to know what the fuck that book's about. But anyway, the after credit scene of Mando is uh, um, some other bounty hunter walking up to the 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 dead asset, if you will, or Ming. Yeah. Um, she's laying there in the desert still, and he walks up. A lot of people are like, "It's Boba Fett! It's Boba Fett!" Because you hear like the it's... the um, spur sounds. I doubt very seriously that it's Boba Fett. I hope to God it's not. Like I, but I've never been over this. But it could be. Um, I've I've talked about this. I don't know if on this podcast, but Boba Fett has become one of my least favorite characters in Star Wars. Um, I used to like him a lot. Because Mandalorian armor is fucking rad. The the uh the 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 mystery behind him was cool. But he does fucking nothing in the movies, and yet he has probably the biggest fan base out of any side character in Star Wars. It drives me fucking nuts. All we see him do in the movies is tell Daddy Vader and then go like Hey, can I can I have him? Can I take him to get money? I didn't do anything, but can I? Well, which he tracked him. I mean, he, he did the, he, he did track only... him and tipped the empire off to his location. I will give him if that. If you remember in the movie, all 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 Boba Fett did in that scene was be lucky that they saw the the Millennium Falcon kind of falling with the garbage. Yeah, that was it. Like. Ooh, good job. He good, good job with that, I guess. He was expecting it. Uh, here's the thing. I don't hate Boba Fett. I don't think he's a bad character. In fact, I like I said, I used to like him a lot. It's his unrelenting fan base that pisses me off. Oh, fan bases of anything piss me off. I tend to try to ignore them because they're always wrong. Well, I always hear people go like, Boba Fett's a badass. And I'm like, what did he do that was badass? He fired at Luke and Leia and missed every shot. He looked cool, like, though. He looked cool, and he also looked really cool when he got killed by a blind guy. Not so much. Just saying, like, he doesn't do anything other than look rad and his toy's fucking cool. Like, okay, moving on. So I sincerely hope to God that whoever walks up to the dead asset in the in, on, on Tatooine is not Boba Fett. I mean... It could be. I know it could be, but I hope it's not, is my point. I mean, it's on Tatooine. It's in the Dune Sea. That's where the Pit of Carcoon was that housed the Sarlacc. I'm not saying that it's not. I'm just saying that it could be, but I hope it's not. 
Um, anyway, why don't we go ahead? I know that you and I both are going to give an A plus to Watchmen, so it's not like we need to talk about that. Oh yeah. Uh, but uh, what about this episode of Mando? What, what, what rating would you give? I'd it? give it a B. A B. Yeah. I think that's where I stand with it too. Yeah. It's I, I mean, not it, it, it's bad, either... but it's. It's probably the fourth best episode so far. I think the first three are are so fucking solid, and then episode uh, four is I I I really fucking enjoy it. Like all these episodes are fantastic, but if I had to rate them, yeah, yeah, I've probably enjoyed one, two, and three, which is almost its own full episode considering. Um, and then uh, and then five, then four so far. Um. Still love four to death, but you know, if I had to rate them, yeah, yeah, I agree. Rank, rank them. I think rank them was the word I was looking for. I agree. Anyway, so we should get to the other shows. Considering, yeah, we're, <laughs> we're forty-eight minutes, minutes in. <laughs> God damn! Um, you just had to go and so talk about was... snow days, didn't you? I sure did. My fault. <laughs> My bad, guys. <laughs> Um, uh, which which would you like to talk about let's first? Let's go though? ahead and go into the movies that made us. Okay, perfect. Um, if if you're familiar with the toys that made us, same pretty much the same format applies with the movies that made us, except that with this, instead of focusing on a toy line, it focuses on a single movie and the pitfalls and the complications of it getting made here's the thing about this show so there's four episodes uh, like with the other seasons of toys that made us um and it concentrates on four different movies Mm -hmm. Uh, dirty dancing dirty dancing ghostbusters Ghostbusters, home alone and die hard i didn't need to watch the ghostbusters home alone or die hard one nothing in there was given to me that i didn't already know now, as for Di- uh, as for Dirty Dancing, yeah, I didn't know shit about that movie. And you know what? I don't really like that movie. But... I hate that movie so much that I couldn't even make it all the way through that episode. <laughs> well, I think that's the thing. I think that's a testament to how this documentary is structured, is it's entertaining regardless. It is. It is. But I um, think that's one of the worst fucking movies that have ever been made, Dirty Dancing. <laughs> I, really, I don't know about that. I, I think it's a steaming pile of shit right up there with Space Jam and, you know, something else that's terrible. I'm going to cancel this entire episode and just walk no. away if you do that no, again. No, you're not. No, you're not. If you fucking put Space Jam next to Dirty Dancing, we can't be friends. We can too, because I just did. Nope. You can talk shit about who I voted for. You can talk shit about... <laughs> My 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 uh, uh, theology. You can talk shit about my parents, my weight. You fucking say that Space Jam and Dirty Dancing are in the same category. We are done. No, no, not the same category. They're about the same caliber of movie. I fucking <laughs> do not like you right now as a person. <laughs> the worst. Anyway. Still gonna do this damn podcast because I enjoy doing it, even though you have a garbage opinion. I'm sorry. Dirty Dancing is a terrible movie, and so it is. I'm not disagreeing with that aspect. It's but... absolutely terrible. It's literally one of 
the worst movies I've ever had to sit and watch my entire life. I've absolutely fucking hated it. Ever. Everything about it. And I know people that adore that movie. And you know, if you like that movie, great. I'm happy for you. But don't ever expect me to say anything good about Dirty Dancing. I'll put it this way. I don't like Dirty Dancing, and I always get it confused with Footloose because I also don't like Footloose. I actually love Footloose. I do. They're both very boring. I actually I also enjoy the dumbed-down remake of Footloose. There's a dumbed-down remake of Footloose? Yeah. It was made like eight years ago. Very. Oh, it's called Footloose. Yeah, Got yeah, it. I was like, yeah. I thought you were talking about like a different movie entirely. No, no. Interesting fact. This is what I do. We've established this. <laughs> Footloose was about a little town that outlawed dancing, and just the town kids wanted to have a school dance or some kind of no dance. joke. No joke. As I was watching the Dirty Dancing episode yeah i kept going like when are they going to talk about how like it's it's uh it's a it's a town that has restricted dancing and it's it's against a lot i was i realized i was like oh i'm talking about the wrong movie here's the thing (laughs) i live in a very tiny tiny town and the next town 10 minutes over it is illegal to this day to dance in the town limits or they will take you to jail. You know, Footloose. When you when you hear the plot to a movie and you see the movie and you go, "There's no way that this is real." And then you live right next, ten minutes away from a town that literally is Footloose. That movie was so incredibly fucking popular here in that town in the eighties and nineties. They were still trying to get the ordinance turned over because they had this little dive bar and this guy, he put the owner, you know, he had a jukebox and pool tables and people went in there to play pool and play music and eat, you know, because they had a, you know, fucking bar in there, you know, uh, a grill and they would serve up food and all that shit. And every Friday and Saturday night, the cops come in there and just start arresting people for dancing fucking insane and that shit would still be going on if the place hadn't shut down anyway we're supposed to be talking about dirty dancing which fucking sucks um <laughs> i don't care that the the plot of that movie i just I, I, I never cared for it dirty dancing was terrible how that i get how i do get how it resonates with some people in that they might have had a somewhat similar experience or similar experiences to what baby goes through, but just the woman that wrote it. It's the same reason. It's the same reason I I strongly dislike Greece. Like it's so obtuse and weird that I'm just like, there's no way that this shit's real. Like you're just, you're jam packing too many messages into one film or at least trying to. And I don't think that any of them are coming across like you think they are. Yeah. Anyway, I get why the popularity is there. I don't like the movie, but the the, the episode was really entertaining. I didn't know about uh, um, Patrick Swayze's knee injury and, and how hard it was on him during the production. I didn't know that nobody, nobody liked the line of nobody puts baby in a corner. No. 
um, which arguably is a terrible fucking line. But, oh, it's absolutely um, a terrible fucking line. Everything about that movie is terrible. It's hilarious to me, Josh, that, that that quote is is exceedingly popular. You probably heard the quote before you saw the movie. Yet, at least I probably did. No, I was um, I was I was already alive and capable of uh, forming coherent thoughts when that movie was released. While you were probably right. just exiting. Well, no, you were four, so you would have been out of diapers for a couple of years. But still. Right. You were pointing up turds in the toilet yelling, that's my dinosaurs. Yeah, yeah. Um All right. But that's what I was saying. That's what I was saying. I was definitely yes, that was the thing about me as a child, is I called my poop dinosaurs. Fascinating. Um, <laughs> I don't know why. It's a story my parents tell me. Well, this uh, is a ploposaurus. I don't I don't know that I gave them dinosaur names, but I definitely just called them dinosaurs. No, I'm sorry, um, but if you're gonna have if you're gonna you know, call your turds dinosaurs. You definitely have to call one a Ploposaurus. Oh, I agree. <laughs> don't disagree. I'm just saying. I'm saying as a kid, I don't think I had that kid. Yeah, yeah. But anywho, uh, the point I'm getting at about this show is that I the 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 documentary, the short form documentary of this movie was entertaining. <sighs> Whereas the movie's not entertaining. Oh yeah, so that, this I think was that's, vastly more entertaining than the movie. Um, yeah, so I think that's a testament to to the structure of this show, because even though I knew everything that they were going to talk about in Ghostbusters, especially Ghostbusters, um, I loved with, the uh, Ghostbusters episode though. Even though I knew most everything in it, I still loved the episode. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I'm getting at. Is is the 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 way that the the uh, blanks that made us documentary series structures their episodes and how they give you the information is a lot of fun. It really is, um, and that's a testament to you know uh, Brian Volkwas. You know uh, we we have thoroughly enjoyed uh, two series now that he has given us on Netflix, and you know also numerous stand-up comedy specials because he's also big into that producing stand-up comedy but yeah man this this show these shows the way they're structured it's not very different in the structural aspect of the toys that made us but unlike the toys that made us there's an infinite amount of episodes that this can produce whereas the toys that made us the criteria there is a finite amount of episodes uh, this, I think they could go for much longer if it shows to be as see, popular. Yeah. I want to see, uh, like the shows that made us, the games that made us and the games that made us can talk about both board games and video games. Mm, um, there you go. Uh, the comics that made us like there is history <clears throat> to everything we enjoy. This documentary series has an indefinite amount of legs. Unlike me. Like, I know I know that they said that the, the Toys That Made Us has a finite amount of legs because there's, like, there's certain things about certain toy lines that just aren't entertaining. Exactly, exactly. But, there's got to be story many... there. There's got to be substance there. And obviously, right. you're not going to be able to do an episode of the movies that made us about every single movie that's ever been produced. One, that's just... fuck ton that can. That's just baffling the sheer mind-boggling number that that would be. But entertaining interesting stories about how a production is in development hell 
uh, how it got greenlit, how it finally came together, the um, constraints placed upon it mid-production, all kinds of fascinating little things like that. That's the stuff I really enjoy seeing. So, like, you know, the whole Home Alone thing. Like, originally how they had cast, uh, instead of Daniel Stern, they had cast uh, Dan, Daniel, um... Yeah, I don't remember his name either. His last name's escaping me off the top of my tongue. He's been in a few things. Good comedic actor, but, man, I, I mean, can't imagine... been a lot of, like, those comedies with, with John Candy and whatnot, so... yeah. Yeah, but but he he, I just don't see that guy meshing with Joe Pesci the way Daniel Stern did. Um, yeah. Well, a lot. What's fascinating about all four of these stories is that there's an insurmountable an insurmountable amount of luck. Yeah. That came to them also. Yeah. Uh, just the right thing at the right time. Uh, which say, like how Home Alone was saved because of Fox. Yeah. Like that's fascinating. Like that is really that's really interesting how that kind of came about. How that movie wasn't expected to do well at all. Yeah, dude, I remember going and seeing Home Alone in the theater. Me and my younger brother and my stepdad's uh, youngest sister. Um, we all went to the theater and saw it. She drove us uh, because you know I wasn't old enough to drive, obviously, um, because it came out in nineteen eighty nine, or. 90 1990 you know so i was a couple of years away from driving uh but i remember going to the movie theater and seeing it because i heard it was hilarious so we went and saw it and dude laughed our asses off i mean still i find that movie funny as fuck misty and madison don't care for it too much but guess what i've already watched it twice on disney plus since i've had it um because i enjoy home alone <laughs> Two, not so much. Two's not as good because it's a carbon copy of the original, essentially. You know, same oh, yeah. no, same, sequel, the, same story beats and everything, just minor tweaks. Yeah, I was going to say, we, we had a uh, funny, fun fact. Home Alone and uh, Teen, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the first movie, are uh, the better of the sequels. Like, they're just the better ones. But in my household, we only owned uh, Lost in New York and 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 uh, Secret of the Ooze on VHS. I'm so sorry. So we watched the. So I probably watched the sequel to both of those more times than I've watched the original. Wow. Easy, I could easily say that with Ninja Turtles. <laughs> um, Dude, I'm telling you, uh, I, I'm I'm really enjoying this, you know, and I loved. I just love the backstory. I loved how they talked about how Alan Rickman was a stage actor and nobody knew anything about him. And then, you know, how that movie, they were filming it while it was still being written. They were just a few days ahead of the filming as the screenplays being written. That was fascinating. I didn't know that. But I knew that, you know, nobody wanted to take a chance on Bruce Willis and they didn't think it was going to be a hit. And then all of a sudden... Boom, it blew up. So they started putting him in the movie posters again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, that's, yeah. I, that that stuff I didn't know. I knew, I knew, like, one of the things I always knew about, about uh, Die Hard was it is nothing like the original novel. No, God, no. Um, and I've always known that uh, um, when they dropped Alan Rickman onto the 
blue mat or whatever. Yeah, that big blue air cushion. Yeah, that they basically tricked him into not knowing was gonna so it was real fear in his eyes. Yeah, oh boy, I've always known that. Yeah, and I um, actually, what I didn't know, I actually didn't know that, and that's awesome. Like, okay, we're gonna go three, two, one, then go, and then he tells the guy, "When I get to two, just drop him." And yeah, that that worked, and it worked well, and you don't see that often captured in a movie, so that was a great shot. Yeah, what I didn't know was that. Um, some of the moments in the movie were inspired by Buster Keaton. I had no idea about that. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot. I forgot about that little tidbit. Yeah. That was, I was like, that's, that makes sense. Like there's a lot of slapstickiness in the movie, but I think that's what makes Die Hard such a good, fun movie to watch is that it is kind of slapsticky, but not overly but not overly so. Like, yeah. There, there's jokes in it. But they're believable because it's like, okay, if you were a smartass in that regard, I totally see it. You know, I think that's, I think that's why the Lethal Weapon series worked well too. Uh, Same general kind of what little bit of slapstickiness is there is kind of in the same vein. Right, right. Um. Well, why don't we go ahead and give our final uh, review or overview? Well, um, overview view all. Well, I mean, you know, like the toys that made us, it's it's sister series that it has spawned from. This does a wonderful job in presenting a story, beginning to end of how these movies got made. Um, I'm hoping for great success for this. I hope it catches on and becomes popular like the toys that made us has. Um, you know, hopefully we'll get another season and some more awesome movies. And, um, you know, I'm curious to learn more. Uh, so, you know, I'll give, it an, I'll give it an A. It's definitely worth checking out. Even if you know a lot about the movies that it's presenting, there's still a lot of information there and presented in a fun narrative uh, that, is entertaining from start to finish. I mirror everything Josh just said. Like literally it's, it's, it's a lot of fun to watch, even if you know, because again, the structure of, of, of how they give you the information and they do, they do really fun bits where they edit in the people they are interviewing just right to make it kind of look like they're in the same room, but you know, they're not. And they play with that. It's, it's, they do that like just about every fucking episode, but it's fun. It's fun every time. Um, I, uh, I also give it an A, uh, it would be an A plus if they didn't talk about dirty dancing, but yeah, you know, you gotta always have that one in there. You gotta have your, uh, your Barbies and your, my little ponies and whatnot. Well, well um, to be fair in the three seasons of the toys that made us, I think the Barbie and my little pony and hello kitty episodes are some of the best. Um, that's <laughs> just, you're not wrong. Well, that's the thing is like, I get, I'm making a joke about the dirty dancing thing, but I was interested in the dirty dancing story of how they got that movie to be made because like it wasn't going to like, it was as at the bottom of a fucking list of shit movies that were constantly. I wish that it hadn't. (laughs) Oh man. Anyway, we, uh, we have one more thing to talk about guys. Um, we're running uh, long today. Yeah. We're going a little long. Uh, the Marvelous Miss Maisel season three, Mrs. Maisel, Jesus Christ. 
I don't know why I say Miz every time I talk about this damn show. Well, you know, the whole Miss, Miz, Mrs., that's always been a confusing thing for me. And I just always, like, in a situation, I've always defaulted to ma'am. Well, it's like if if I have two, like I had two friends, Justin and Jason, and I constantly mixed up their fucking names. I, I, it wasn't like I didn't know who was who. I just say the wrong thing. Oh, dude, brain just same, same. I got two friends that I've done off the runner, the off the runner podcast, uh, uh, Dalton and Dakota. You know, good good friends, and I'm I know them very well, and I know them complete. You know, I've known them for year and a half almost two years now and i know the differences between them it don't matter if we're both in the same fucking if if we're all three talking i will accidentally call dalton dakota and dakota dalton i do it all the fucking time yeah i yeah <laughs> that same that dude well at least i know i'm not alone in that no anyway. no um shit man so this you ever season... get so frustrated you call your own daughter your sister's name Ugh. I've done that. No, but my dad. I've done that. My dad. I don't. I don't know how my dad does this. My aunt's name is Anita, and my sister's name is Lily, and he constantly gets those mixed up. And it's the only names he does it with. <laughs> don't get it. I don't get it. Nobody else gets it, but he does it. Anywho. Yeah, yeah. Marvelous Mrs. Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Maisel season three. So uh, last season ended with some stellar news. Um, for the most part, she had done a telethon. And one of the singers on the telethon saw her perform and decided, hey, I want you to come on tour with me. Be my opening act on my tour. And that's what this season was centering around. Season, this season was centering around. For the, you know, the overall easiest way to explain it. So what's fascinating about this season to me is it's it's not as good as season one and two. But that's not to say that it's not great. If that makes sense. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Um I felt like by by having Midge have such a strong uh like a strong good good lead to her season. Um it gave vehicle to kind of explore the other characters a lot more. And it it did kinda because my favorite character by far in this show is abe by oh leaps and bounds God, i could yes. watch a whole show of abe yep um uh he uh him him and rose the shit they have to deal with in this season was by far my favorite stuff um uh <laughs> i i Every time when they finally had to go live with uh, uh, Joel's parents, Moish, uh, Shirley Moish and, and Shirley, Moish. yeah, yeah, Moish. dude, um, like, like I was doing an impression to my dad about how Moish talked one morning. Dad's like, "Well, how does Moish talk?" And I was like, "Well, he'll talk like this, and he'll say that, like, it, you know, you have to wake up at four a.m. in the morning because if you don't wake up before four a.m. in the morning, that's when the burglars gonna come in, and they, and if you're if you're up and you're alert, you, you need, they'll they'll see you, and you'll stare them right in the face. They don't still nothing. That's why I still have a TV and a radio. And on another thing, waking up at four a.m. is the way that you can really, you know, you get a good start to your day. You get a get a, get a shower, and you gotta get a get a meal in, and you're you're awake and you're alert, and you can go to work early, and you can get so much done in the day, and then you have so much daylight. It's like that's how moist. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, 
I'm coming upstairs. Not wearing pants. <laughs> that was great. Uh, it was it was very much odd couple esque, but you had already established the characters, yeah. so it was just fun to kind of live in that world for a minute. My favorite fucking shot is a Renaissance pic- Renaissance picture shot of of Rose sitting at on the end of the bed, looking just distraught. Abe walks in, stares out the window in the back of the room. And then fucking Zelda walks in and just sits over by the vanity, and they all just sit. They all just the no nothing is said. They're just still, and they look awful. Yeah, <laughs> they look miserable. Yeah. fuck me, is it funny? It's so goddamn funny. Yeah, yeah. Well, oh. and the reason they're in this situation is because at the end of last season, he had quit his teaching job at the university, but he had also gotten fired from his Bell Labs job. Um, so they were looking at their finances and he thought his salary paid for everything. And you find out she comes from oil money. She's a trust fund baby. And, uh, there really have been living off of her wealth. And yeah, that was, that was a fascinating little turn this, that I wasn't expecting. This was set in 19, this season was set in 1960. Um, yeah, I couldn't remember because I was like, I, they kept like the 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 friends of um of Abe kept saying like it's the '60s, Abe, and I was yeah, like, it's the '60s, man. That was the name of that paper they were yeah, trying to 60s, publish man. because they thought they were, you know, these new wave radicals, and they were going to make change through protest and this and that, and you know, basically they were just crashing anywhere to espouse their ideas and get free meals and all that. Um, but yeah, when she went out to Oklahoma, cause when they mentioned that she was from Providence, I always assumed Providence, Rhode Island, because it's, oh yeah, you right. know, not far from New York, few, few hours drive. But when they said it's Providence, Oklahoma, and she goes to the family home and I'm like, oh shit, she comes from oil money. And then everybody treating her like she's such a dainty little thing and, you know, treating Abe like he's just a blithering idiot, which he is in a lot of ways. Um, But just because he fell down the stairs and then the whole fact that they've got this board, that they have a nine-year-old sitting on this board of nothing but men, and she wants to be on this board, this family board, to have a say in what happens with her portion of the trust. That they were just going to grant to her, you know, upper take or whatever. But because she couldn't be allowed on it, she denies her whole inheritance. Like, I don't want to have anything to do with this. Cut me out. And they cut her out. They was like, fuck it. Okay. Her her reaction to the kid being on the on the board was fucking, fucking hilarious. hilarious. Absolutely. He's like, I don't like her. Um, I vote no. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, and this is why you shouldn't be on here voting with your emotions, you little nitwit. <laughs> God, it's so fucking good. It it was so interesting. That, that I think that's the thing that's interesting to me is like I didn't dislike midge's storyline this season no i thought it was she was in a much she was in a much safer place than every other character yeah she really was because you had 
you had Susie, who is, you know, also has agreed to manage Sophie Lennon, uh, played brilliantly by Jane Lynch. Um, Fucking oh, her character. Oh, my God. I like her like I like Moish, you know, like. She's an interesting character, and I don't hate the character because it, it fits into the world and, and it works into, into context of what's going on and adds to a lot of comedy. But, Jesus Christ, are they fucking the worst types of people. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh... Um, oh, my God. The, the scene where she's walking in and out of the door and you hear Carrie L's character. Carrie Elway's, oh, yeah. Um... Uh, it doesn't matter. He was Yeah, Gavin, he, was, he was great. But Gavin Hawk. Gavin, Gavin, yeah. He goes, he goes, this might be more entertaining than the play. <laughs> Little lines like that are fantastic to me. I'm just like, yeah, this is why we're watching it as the audience right now, that she's going in and out of this door, because it's funny and entertaining. Yeah. Oh, shit. That's and great. it makes you think, um, you know, the way she lives her life. When was the last time she ever actually opened a real door? <laughs> right, right, right. Oh, shit. Yeah, it's... it's. I I uh, really enjoyed this season. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's... it's uh, I liked, I liked uh, Joel's story, how he's trying to get this nightclub opened up and off the ground. And he... I kind of forgot about that a little he, bit. He buys... He, well, he doesn't buy the building, but he, he enters into a lease because it's dirt cheap. And then it was an old Chinese restaurant, but it had a stage and a bar already there. So perfect for a club. Just so happens there's an illegal gambling parlor full of Chinese people wall to wall in the basement. And it's in Chinatown. Uh, so that was a fascinating aspect. Yeah, yeah. Um. Oh, I was gonna say the the the, I will the the bit that ran dry to me really fast was every time he'd go into the basement and they'd all stop and stare at him. Yeah, and then he'd try to say something in English, and then everybody pretending like they don't understand a word he said, but they clearly all understood what he was saying every time. They're just fucking with him. Yeah, that that. The bit was funny at the beginning, but then I was like, okay, we've seen it. Like, this is the eighth time we've seen it. Are we going to just keep doing this? Or, all right. The one thing, though, like, as the season progressed, because Susie and Midge, they start out the tour. They're in Vegas for the first half of the season. Like, three or four episodes they spend in Vegas. And then they go to Florida for a couple episodes. And then, of course, you know, they have to go back to New York because of the um, tour, the reason why the tour was postponed. But while they're in Vegas, Susie discovered that she loves gambling. And that was that the, the finale of that story. Yes. Was so fucking heartbreaking. Oh, absolutely. Because Midge said, hey, you're my manager. She just like, here, you take my paychecks, you handle my money. You know, because she was given a cash per diem on a daily basis. So her paycheck, she was just thinking, well, Susie's got my money. And then when you find out that Susie has lost money, and not only did she lose pretty much all of her money, but she lost Midge's money too. 
because she yeah. was gambling. That was that was bad. And you actually see, you know, she's always been this this tough girl. You know, she's like nothing gets through that exterior. You see this and it broke her and she breaks down and she's just a sobbing wreck. And she realizes what she's done and going to Joel and saying, look, I need you to do this for me. I know we've only seen each other like three times ever and only civil once, but I please need you to do this. I need you to handle her money. He's like, why? And she's like, it's because you love her. And everybody fucking knows you love her. And you'll always love her. And you'll never let anything happen to her. That's why it has to be you. And it's just like, god damn. That was some heavy shit. Yeah, it really was. Well, why don't we go ahead and wrap up this conversation with our final views of it um, in our grade. Um, I'll let you go first. Okay. Uh yeah, I'm going to give this season an A. Uh, it, it's not an A+. Plus. I think that there's a few things like Joel's story and uh, uh, Midge's story not being as strong until the very end. Yeah. Um, that kind of weakened the season just a little bit, but it's still fucking great and still really funny and highly entertaining. Um, if you haven't watched the show, I highly recommend it. You got a lot of content there now to watch, but I, I, I really enjoyed everything that the show had to give me. I mean, even the stuff that I wasn't really digging, like I still enjoyed it because it's just so well-written and well-structured. Um, uh, yeah, that, that's, that's all I gotta say about an A. So what about you, Josh? Yeah, I'll give it an A as well. I mean, it's a fascinating show, uh, presented in a fascinating time, uh, you know, from just a perspective that you don't see a lot. And you get glimpses of things and how things were changing back then. And you're seeing different perspectives. And the Lenny Bruce stuff, oh my fucking God. I love anything about the Lenny Bruce stuff. The fact that, you know, her dad spends a night in the same jail cell with Lenny Bruce. They both got arrested together over the same shit. was fucking out. Uh, it was just, I loved that part. Loved it. And he's like, my wife thanks you for the flowers. And they're just realizing, oh, okay, who's this guy? Shit like that. It's great little touches. Uh, wonderful, wonderful show. Uh, this season, yeah, it wasn't as strong as seasons one or two, but it doesn't suffer. It's still highly entertaining. Very witty. Well written. Entertaining from start to finish. I think Misty actually sat down and watched almost all of the se this season with me which she hadn't watched much of the first season or the second season but she was watching this and she's like wow this is a really good show i was like yeah it's a fucking really good show so yeah i give it an a and hopefully you know we get a great season four because i have to know what happens after that ending of what happened um because everything looked like it was going to be fucking sunshine and rainbows and all of a sudden it looks like it's going to be doom and gloom um, yeah she had you know there was the the it was going to go one way or the other she was either going to bomb at the apollo and continue going with shy or do what she did and and have the outcome that happened uh, and, and she she um, she fucking killed i'm like yeah, when when I, when, when she's like i'm playing the apollo i was like that audience is going to eat her alive 
Yeah, I was really, I was very, I was actually very nervous and concerned for her when they were like, when she said it the first time that she had a show at the Apollo, I was like, ah, excuse me? Oh, and Wanda Sachs' mom's Mabley. Holy shit, that was awesome. That might, that might be a better performance of an old, uh, 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 comedian that rivals Lenny Bruce right now. Yeah, yeah, that was good. That was really her good. mom's Mabley. Mom's Mabley was on fucking point. It was so on point. I didn't recognize that that it was Wanda Sykes. Oh, we did immediately. Um, but it was still so great. Uh, her 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 mom's Mabley was just fucking outstanding. Yeah, it really was. But yeah, man. Well, on that note, guys, we should wrap this one up. It's a bit long. Um, yeah. I have to actually get going here in a minute, so we're going to have to make this a little All quick. right. But that's fine. Well, I can do that. Um, I'll, uh, you tell them what we're watching for the next review. Yes. So so next uh, review episode, we'll be talking about two films, uh, Six Underground, starring Ryan Reynolds, directed by Michael Bay, and The Irishman. If you don't know what The Irishman is, you're living under a rock. Yeah. Uh, some Some have said, and this was prior to watching it, so I can't really say that, but it actually takes place in the same universe as Goodfellas, so there's that. Um, um, well, it's it's about it's it, it, it's about the Teamsters and the mob and Jimmy Hoffa. So, I mean, it's based <laughs> on real life events. Oh yeah, I I don't know. Like I said, I just know you, that the Irishmen are mentioned in in Goodfellas, and people are just like, yeah, it's, it's the same thing. Uh, um, anybody that's saying that doesn't know what the fuck they're talking about. I've already watched it. Um, you know, it's got Joe Pesci, Robert De Niro, Al Pacino. Shit. Well, I mean, it, it's it's long. It's three and a half hours long. But yeah, it's it's what the fuck. Yeah, whoever was saying that didn't anyway, know what they anyway. were talking about. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Uh, we'll also be talking about um, Mandalorian Episode 6 on the next episode, which will be um, the... Uh, the blah, 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 Uninhibited blah, blah, blah. on the 20th. Uninhibited, thank you. Uh, but in the review episode, we'll be talking about Episode 7. Because it drops the um, day we'll actually record, so we'll watch it that morning and record that afternoon or evening. Right. Uh, another thing, guys, is that the week following everything is uh, Christmas week. Um, so we're both very busy. We'll have very off schedule. Which is why we're only so watching if, two movies. <laughs> right. Uh, the other thing is, is if the if the episode comes out late or if we're, you know, we'll, we'll try to let you guys know what's going on. Um, but yeah, schedule's a little wonky at the moment. So we'll definitely get the uninhibited out on time. But the following of the next review episode might be. We're going to try to shoot for our normal time, but we'll see. Yeah. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Christmas falls on the day um, we normally record, and I know Greg's very busy that week. I know I'm... My, fam- my family's... My, fam- my my sister and nephews, who I've talked about on this podcast before, they moved to Missouri, and I haven't seen them since they moved, like, right before they moved. Yeah. So they're going to be here on Christmas Day. Yeah. Um, And I get to hang out with them all day, so I'm very fucking Dude, I'm super stoked for you for that. That's fucking awesome. Uh, I'm going to try to buy, uh, I'm going to see if my sister bought Jackbox Party Pack 6 on her um, Amazon Fire Stick and if she's bringing it. Um, if not, I'm just going to buy that shit on my Switch so I can bring it over. Awesome. Well. Um, but yeah, guys, that's that's going to do it for us today. Um, yeah, uh, 
follow i'm trying to think of what else I well to... <laughs> i was gonna say all the links to our social media presence for the show are listed below the show notes in the description on whatever you're listening to so if you want to join the discord server uh you can do so if you want to buy a t-shirt or a coffee mug or a blanket or a pillow or any other cool thing with our faces on it and the podcast name uh you can do that at a Redbubble store you can join the follow the facebook fan page um, where you can get official notifications from the show. Uh, the Facebook discussions group, uh, all queued up discussions, we need to be more active in. Uh, absolutely, because when we are active, we get good participation. But it's hard to maintain a group if you're not driving the participation. So let's start doing that. Uh, also, the Twitter and Instagram accounts will be linked there as well. If you want to follow me personally, uh, just uh, my Facebook profile, my, reg- my name's on there. It's public. Uh, All of my social media accounts are linked publicly. Uh, My Instagram, my Twitter. You can also catch me every other Wednesday at 9.30 p.m. on the Realm of Collectors YouTube channel on a show called Figabangin'. It's a live action figure review show. Um, Generally uh, focused on Transformers. And then every Friday night around 9 p.m. Eastern on the same channel, Ramla Collector's YouTube channel, you can catch me and my friends on MPSP Theater, and we always have a good time there. Uh, that's where I'm at. What about you, Greg? Uh, you can follow me just about anywhere if you search for Chub Rock Geek. Uh, I got Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Twitch, TikTok, well, you name it. I probably have a, an account there under Chub Rock Geek. Um, also on that note, uh, we had a, uh, we had a decent, we had about three and a half hour stream the other night, um, on my Twitch channel where we played some Jackbox Party Pack. Oh yeah, that was fun. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Um, I will say I'm going to, I'm, we're going to switch it up a little bit and change the game itself and not play so much of six, even though it is super fun and we love push the button. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's at that point now where six six's honeymoon has kind of worn off, so we should probably, you know, give some mix it give up some love to some of the earlier packs that we still enjoy games from too. Yeah. Um. So hopefully we can get one in this Saturday. So yeah, go uh, follow we me on, on might be able to. Remember, we got our secret Santa thing this Saturday. Oh yeah, that's we right. could do it. We could that. do it after. Yeah, and we'll we see. might be we'll able see. to we'll get see. some we'll... of the people from that to play with us. Yeah, very true, very true. But guys, yeah, go go follow that that Twitch channel so that way you can join us when we go live on that. Um, we do shoot for Saturdays just because it's you know easier for everyone's schedule and all that jazz. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see what else is there. I that's think that's it. it at the moment, guys. Uh, yeah, that's it. Uh, <laughs> that's it. That's all. That's it. And that's it. That's all. Uh, yeah, guys, thank you for joining us so much. Remember to watch uh, a Six Underground and Irishman. I'm sure you're already watching Mandalorian. Oh, next week on 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 all uh, uninhibited, we'll be probably talking a lot about Watchmen's finale. Yeah, you already just FYI. You already said that, but yeah, I assumed as much, but I wanted to reiterate it. So yeah, go watch all the things, guys. Join us next week when Josh and I shoot the shit and talk about Watchmen. Thank you for listening so much, guys, and we'll see you next time. Take care, everybody.